Welcome to Unicorn Talent Hunter. I'm Crystal Speed, your HR strategist. If you are a solo or maturing entrepreneur looking to build and grow your team with great people, this is where you need to be. I can't wait to share the tips, best practices, and mindset shifts I've learned after nearly 15 years of building great teams. Let's dig in. Welcome today. I am so excited because we have an awesome, phenomenal guest, and I just love her energy and her passion, her expertise, and you guys are going to love her too. So today we are talking with Shay Cannon, and Shay is an entrepreneur. She's been an entrepreneur in one way or another since her days in middle school, selling candy to her classmates in Birmingham, Alabama. In 2013, she worked as a paralegal at a Forbes 500 law firm in Atlanta, Georgia, where she was bringing in a total income of six figures in her eighth year within the legal field. But you know what? She preferred a life free from the constraints of corporate America, which I absolutely love. So she turned her focus to becoming a full-time entrepreneur. Shay created a successful business that affords her a life of freedom to live and work her business from all over the world. And so she started in the country of Belize and has currently been living in Playa del Carmen in Mexico for the past two years. She has been featured on Delta Airlines limited episode podcast of To and From. Shay is a trusted fractional chief operating officer. Mm, that is good. I mean, everyone needs a COO in their life and she is a phenomenal one. She um, is a fractional resource to some of your favorite six figure plus brands. And she garners, manages and maximizes resources to convert CEO visions into a, reli- a reality that supports their businesses, growth and healthy life design. Um, so welcome, Shay. It is so great for, for you to be here today um, to learn a little bit about your business, but also be, to be able to talk to you about how you support yourself as an entrepreneur, but other entrepreneurs and getting great talent on their team and building their teams. So welcome. Thank you so much, Crystal. It is such an honor to be here and I can't wait to tell you all the good good. <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear it, you know, because uh, so for those who are tuning in, like, you know, we've had conversations before and I, she is just like a phenomenal person to talk to. Like, I feel like you don't like hold any punches. You you just tell it straight. And I love that because we need to hear it straight. <laughs> so I try to give, you know, a lot of transparency, right? Some things seem, you know, too big to be true. Um, I, you know, and nobody's all perfect. We're all human. So I don't mind airing my transparencies and my errors and my mistakes at all. Well, good. I mean, that's really how we learn and are able to grow, right? Where we hear about, you know, the journey that other people have had and learning from their lessons learned, but also as you're able to think kind of like retrospectively on the journey that you've had and seeing just the lessons that you've learned along the way. So I cannot wait to dig in and learn from you. So you you actually have a really interesting entrepreneurial journey. Can you share a bit about this journey so, with us? 
I can. I definitely can. So as you mentioned, my entrepreneurial journey started in middle school where I um, sold candy to my classmates and my schoolmates, right? And so I learned lessons even at that level, like, you know, don't get high off your own supply, right? <laughs> stop eating all the candy or you don't have a business. Um, I learned that um, when you get the money, you know, you can't just go and spend the money. You have to reinvest into your business. So there was a, a time where, you know, I made all the money from the candy. Um, I managed not to eat. Um, but then I went and spent all the money and when it came time for me to sell candy again, I didn't have money to reinvest to have the candy. So I learned that, that lesson. So I was learning lessons early on. Um, then I kind of came out of, um, that entrepreneurial journey. Um, but I got that from my grandmother. My grandmother was a huge inspiration. So she was a teacher and she was in the education system, but she always wanted to have her own business. So she did things like own real estate. She had a, um, a building where she, um, had her own thrift store, that type of thing, right? And so I always wanted to come back to entrepreneurship because it just, I don't know, it spoke to my soul, right? Um, and so as an adult, I came back into entrepreneurship where I did Easter baskets. And so I found these baskets that were shaped like an egg. And I figured out that I could just basically stuff this egg, you know, put grass in it and stuff it with toys and, and candy. I didn't have to worry about arranging it. I didn't have to worry about how it was going to stick together and look good. I didn't have to worry about how did the plastic look, you know. I just stuffed this egg, you know, closed the little button. And then when the kids would open the egg, everything kind of bounced out, right? And so it was all the rage. So my first year, um, it was mega successful, right? And so the second year came. And by that time, you know, a lot of people had figured out, okay, she has these eggs. Where does she get them from? Because that's cool. I bet I can make it myself. So a lot more people were in the know of where I got this original looking basket from. Um, so sales, sales weren't as high. I had competition now, right? Mm -hmm. So that year is when I realized, hey, if I keep wanting to do this thing, I need to probably go into all occasion um, type um, baskets and, and really learn how to situate them in the basket and really learn how to do the shrink wrap and all that kind of stuff. So I went into that, but my, my customer base was women. And so I started adding accessories. Um, to these baskets, you know, I start. I wanted to do all occasion, but I really started ended up doing like these, you know, these baskets that were just like thank you baskets and the, you know I love you baskets type of things um, for women. Um, from there, I went into accessories period because I noticed that people love the baskets that had more of the accessories than they had like you know maybe some beauty items, right? Because it may not have been their beauty item of choice. Um, but when it came to the accessories, oh, that was a hit. So I did assessments. Then we had that year when, you know, the housing crisis was happening. I don't even remember the year. Um, it had maybe 2006, 2007, mm -hmm. I think it was. Um, and so people weren't buying as many luxury items. So I went just to um, the accessories. I went to purses and jewelry. And then I went down to just jewelry because, you know, it takes up less space. The profit mar margin was higher. And, um, you know, it, it was easier to keep everything looking new, that type of thing. And so I love that, that iteration of business. Um, after that, I decided I wanted to write a book. Right. So I wrote this book and um, I self-published it. And for me, I didn't even realize it was quote unquote successful um, because I didn't know anything about like Amazon bestseller and all that kind of stuff. Um, I was selling more books um, out of my trunk, you know, and having parties and, and through networking, all that kind of stuff. People started to ask me, how did you write your book? And how did you self-publish it? Enough people asked me that I recognized with that entrepreneurial mind, right? <laughs> hey, this could be a business. So my, my next iteration of business was publication services and really teaching people how to write the book, how to self-publish, 
um, the difference between these publishing houses that were cropping up and taking advantage of people and you know actually paying for publication services, having control over your book and over, over your publication process. Um, after that, what happened was people were like, you know, people keep mentioning your name. Like every time somebody says write a book, they're saying your name. Like, how are you getting this type of marketing? Um, and then I realized, oh, it's because I've been an entrepreneur in one way or another for so long, I understand business. And so I started helping more and more people, once again, entrepreneurial mind, you know, um, with their actual business, no matter what the business was. And so the next iteration um, was uh, an entrepreneur coach. Um, I didn't want to be called a business coach because I didn't have an MBA. I just had all of this experience in entrepreneurship and I didn't want people to have an expectation or critique me based on something that was not, you know, actually wasn't even important for what I was doing, right? So I said I was an entrepreneur coach. That way I got to name what that was and set the expectation. Um, but what I found, <laughs> this is funny. Right? What I found is some people need more than a plan, right? Um, some people need more handholding and some people just want you to do it. They need you to jump in their business and get the things done for them. And I'm like, yeah, that's not what I do. I help you to bring your vision to life. And I realized more and more people wanted that and needed that. And so that's how I got into the chief operating officer. So I'm, you know, I'm the business bestie. I, I come in, I'm your right hand. You tell me everything that's going on. I take your download. I, I you know, create the strategy and the plan. And then we go and we find the resources and I manage the resources to bring it to fruition. So, and I kind of felt like I needed the entire journey to be where I am now um, because I, I really feel like now I'm, I'm in the purpose, right? I'm, I'm in, the, in the flow of what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, I love that. Um, one, that you have had various iterations and along the way you've realized, you know, like I'm good at this. I have passion for this. And it seems like one thing just kind of organically led to the next thing. And then, um, you know, the, the experience, the expertise just continued to grow and flourish and that taking us to where you are present day. So thinking about your journey and just, um, you know, the various ways that you've pivoted or, you know, just continue to evolve as the needs of your client base um, and the industry evolved. Can you talk to us about, you know, just with all of these passions and like having you having done quite a few different things, what helps you say your best yes and like say no to the things that really aren't aligned with the purpose or what you're focusing in on during this particular, you know, season of your entrepreneurial journey? I think that, that when you know your why, right? Um, everything that you do, you should know the why because all the decisions that need to be made for that have to go back to the why to be in alignment. And it's okay if the why changes, right? Mm -hmm. Or it's okay if the vehicle to, you know, to carry the why changes. Right. And so for me, entrepreneurship has always um, represented freedom to me. Um, it's always represented me being able to make my own rules, me being able to work with who I want to work with, doing what, what I want to do. So anytime something feels like it's not what I want to do, or that's not who I want to work with, or this isn't quite working like this, that's the first cue and, and clue to me, hey, you need to be still for a moment and look at this and, and, and really figure out what don't you like about it? What do you like about it? Um, can you go on a different way so that you're in just the energy of what you do like, or do you need to leave it alone totally, right? Um, so I'm not afraid to have my why up front, which is my life design comes first, that freedom. 
I want the freedom to do things the way I want to do things with the people I want to do it with in the energy I want to be in. And so I think that's how I got to the different iterations, right? Um, early on as a fractional COO, because I'm so good in different areas, you know, I would volunteer to do certain things to be the person to do it, to help to bring this thing to fruition because I'm good at it, right? So one of the things I started off doing was, oh, okay, you need a content plan. Okay, well, let me go ahead and write your blog post and your social media post because I need to get you out there so that more people know who you are. Well, what I didn't realize is I'm very good at those things, but because I'm doing it for my clients, I'm not doing it for myself. Right. Um, and also, you really shouldn't be paying me to do it. I really should be hiring somebody else to do it. You know what I'm saying? So I can't even do the, the high level strategy that I need to do because I'm sitting down and spending all these hours on your content. Well, that's a whole nother job, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I then came in and I said, okay, now I know that I need to be upfront about, hey, I might start you off and come up with a plan, but I'm not doing any implementation. So I am not the right person to help you bring your vision to fruition if you do not have the resources to hire resources for the execution, right? Because what was happening was I was no longer fun. It no longer felt like freedom. I felt stifled and I felt restrained, right? And so when I feel those things, I stop and I look at it. What about this is what I'm not liking? What What, what is the consequences that I'm bearing that I don't want to bear, right? And so what I do is I take that why. And I, I take those cues to, to the why being out of whack, right? <laughs> and I, I decide, hey, do I not want to do this at all? Or do I want to do this another way? Well, I love what you mentioned, because I think that's um, something key for um, entrepreneurs, maybe at every stage of the journey, but specifically when we're in the solopreneur phase or early entrepreneur, thinking about, you know, keeping your why front and center to help kind of um, be almost the, the guide around the decision making that you're going through. And then also, as you mentioned, um, you know, am I liking this? Am I, am I loving what I'm doing? And is this detracting from the main thing that I should be doing? And so I loved how um, you kind of talked us through just really, in order for you to say your best yes, is also looking at, you know, those particular factors and looking at, do I need to stop this or do I need, maybe I need some help, you know, and being able to get the right people in place for you to be able to like really kind of like narrow and like thrive within your zone of genius and then getting other people to support that. So I want you to talk to us a little bit, if you can, about, you know, just thinking about how you surround yourself with um, team members. So whether it's, I mean, cause you, you have an interesting business and in that you're a fractional resource. And so you join other people's teams, but also as an entrepreneur, you have a team of your own. So could you talk to us just a little bit about, um, you know, just the process around maybe first thinking about how do you grow your team and what type of people, what type of skills and assets do you look for? And then we'll talk about kind of when you join other people's teams. No problem. I really feel like where you start with team for a lot of entrepreneurs um, is they, they start their team where their mindset is, is what I see. Mm -hmm. um, so if they have a lack mentality, they're trying to start with the VA and they want a lot to happen with the VA. Um, they want the VA to basically be in a chief operating officer's position. Um, but the VA is a task rabbit, right? The VA mm -hmm. only does what you tell them to do when you tell them to do it, how you tell them to do it. Um, they don't, they're not a thinker. They're not supposed to be. That's why they're at a certain price point. 
Um, and then, you know, now the new buzzword is a uh, project manager. Now everybody feels like they need a project manager, but, and that's great that you, you know, there's another level, but yet again, they're expecting that project manager to be a chief operating officer, right? They're expecting mm -hmm. that project manager to kind of manage the business. And that's not what they do. They mm -hmm. usually only take on a single project at a time or this one big overarching product that, I mean, project that has different parts to it. Um, but they don't, they don't treat your business as, as a project. They don't have, that's not what they do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I always look at, um, not just who you are, um, but what you're doing and what the business is lacking to get you to the money or to mm -hmm. get you to that, that life design that you want. Mm -hmm. Um, because you, it's, it's different, right? So CEOs, um, myself included, yourself included, um, we, we handle things differently. And we're all different types of CEOs. We have yeah. CEOs who all they want to do is the thing that services the client. That's all they want to do. They don't even bother with none of that other stuff. They, they don't want to be bothered with thinking about numbers and the money and, and, and managing people, talking to people. They just don't want to do any of that stuff. They only want to do the thing that is the expertise that is sold in the business, right? And then you have those that say, yeah, I know how to do it but I'm tired of doing it. Can I just show somebody else how to do it and they do it and I not do it, right? Mm -hmm. I just want to be the face of the business, bring in the business and everybody else work on the business. So we're all kind of different types of CEOs. Right. So depending on what type of CEO you are, that should dictate who do you hire, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to be making decisions all the time, if you don't want to be the bottleneck and everything has to pass through you, you need to hire from the top down right mm -hmm. so you need to hire a me right you need to hire a decision maker um and then that decision maker is the liaison between you and the team of execution therefore you're free be the visionary go away you know what I'm saying get these reports on a weekly basis and then go just be you um if you're the one that wants to be the person that's servicing the client once again you possibly have to have to start hiring from the top up because you don't really want to manage a team. You kind of want to be like the top team member is really what you want to be, right? Mm -hmm. You want other people to come in and make their decisions on marketing, right. on strategy, on structure, and all of these kind of things. Now, when do you hire from the bottom up, right? Okay. If you want to have the agency model to where all you need is for someone to help you with the expertise, but you just need them to do the mundane things, mm -hmm. right? Like I want to show up in the meeting and I want to give the strategy, but I want to, um, you know, from the video, give notes or from my typed word document, put in some notes. And then I just need somebody else to take care of everything else until I can show up again for the strategy. Right. Right. That could be an admin. Mm -hmm. Very easy. That's a VA, right? So all you have to do is say, okay, VA, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to type my notes for every session and um, each bullet point, I'm going to put me, I'm going to put client. And when I put me, you put the task to me or what I need to do next. When I say client, you need to put, give the task to the client. I need you to listen to this recording and give them a recap. You know what I'm saying? And you send the email and then you make the appointment for the next, you know, session. That can be a task grabbing. That can be a, a admin, right? So it just depends on how you need help either to get to the money sooner or to have the life design that you want. And so for me, because I refuse <laughs> to uh, grow my business as a fractional COO, um, I have a cap on the retainer clients that I accept. So I don't have to hire from the top down. I only have task rabbits in this iteration of my business. Now, mm -hmm. we have talked about that currently I'm on fifth week vacation, right? So what I'm looking at this week is what in what part of my business do I want to actually scale? Um, where do I want to actually have this 
this agency month. Well, I have decided I want to do that with passive income, right? So I, I need more technical people now. I need people with a different skill set because I can create it, but I don't want to do all the pretty pictures and I don't want to do the automations and I don't want to, so I need other people to do that. So that's who I need to hire next. Um, I enjoy doing my own content, but there's that evergreen content I don't want to be responsible for. So now I'm going to hire somebody for that, right? Um, the next thing I'm going to do is I want to actually... Um, have somebody to do content for my clients because they don't understand. They think content is so hard. Okay, I can do an agency model with that. Where I come in, I do the strategy plan. Everybody else, you know, executes the plan. Awesome. You know what I'm saying? So I have to hire based on what do I need on either, you know, how I want to show up and make more money or how I want to show up in life for my life design. So that's how I'm hiring for myself. And I kind of answered the second part, right, on how I actually jump in and hire for other people. Well, you, I love that. So you shared a whole bunch of stuff that I want to make sure that we dig into just a little deeper because I think it's going to help somebody <laughs> if I wanted to talk about it. So first of all, you mentioned mindset and yeah. also understanding yourself as a leader, what it is that you're trying to do within your business and where you're trying to take your business as well as how you want to show up in your business that yeah. helps um, you understand really who you bring into your business and at what time. But you also mentioned a bit about like this, um, I, I guess a mentality of lack or maybe even a scarcity mentality. So how have you seen that impacting either your clients or other entrepreneurs and the way that they bring individuals into their business? Like, how does that look? What, you know, if I'm a person who's like, well, I don't have a mentality of lack, but <laughs> what are certain things that are like signs, like you might, <laughs> you might have a mentality of lack? Um, sometimes it's, it's, they don't, they don't realize it because they don't, they're not used to looking at things a certain way, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not saying like lack because it's always just they're cheap, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or they, most of it's coming out of they don't know. Nobody's ever explained it in a way that was, you know, they got it, it that's in a line for them. Um, so if I tell you, hey, you know, for you to scale, you need to hire a team. Mm, you may only hear for me to make more money, I got to spend out more money, right? right? Right. So that may easily, without being enough information and not really turning that thing around so you can see it a different way, send you into a scarcity mindset because all you see is well, I want to make more money. I want to scale because I want to make more money. But you're telling me I got to spend more money to make more money. Like, I don't, and how long is it going to take me to make more money, right? Mm -hmm. So, but if I told you, hey, Crystal, um, you're doing things. Um, and really, by average, you make about $250 per hour. Um, and you're doing things that a person that makes $8 or $15 an hour should be doing. So if we hired this person at $8 or $15 per hour and freed you up to actually do more things that are $250 and more an hour, this is how we grow your business. That puts you in a whole different mindset, a whole different understanding um, of hiring somebody is actually making more money, right? Right, right, and so, right. Or if I came and I told you, hey, yeah, we have to hire a more skilled person and they make $50 an hour. Um, however, because we're gonna charge $250 per hour, you're really making $200 an hour off of this person. That's a whole different way of explaining it to you where you don't go into scarcity mindset, where you do understand the strategy around it. And therefore you are more gun ho about, let me hurry up and make this $200 an hour. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, well, it's all in the way you look at it. 
Yeah, and I love how you broke that down because, um, you know, a lot of times it really is looking at what do we, um, what do we stand to gain as a result of making these particular decisions and how does this free us up to be able to do more of those money making revenue generating activities if we um, free ourselves up with the talent that we need to make that possible. One other thing that you mentioned um, is thinking about really approaching your needs within your business from a place of like strategic outlook and what's going to help me move to where my business is going. So you mentioned your fifth week um, activities where you're really thinking through, you know, what's next for your team and the makeup and where you're going with your business and the people who are going to help support that. So can you talk us through just a little bit like from like taking us from strategy to um, you know, actual a bit of kind of execution, and then also how it's obvious to me, but maybe not to everybody else, like that this is something that then you pick up, you know, every five weeks or every quarter, you know, where you're relooking and making sure that you're on track. So could you talk to us a little bit about your process around that? Okay, so we're gonna get a little woo woo, but it's not <laughs> woo woo woo, right? So it's not, you know, but we're gonna get a, just a tad bit woo woo. And if you don't know what woo woo means, it's kind of otherworldly, metaphysical, uh, uh, yoga e, you know what I'm saying, hippie e, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I am obsessed with the sky, right? And so I'm not, um, I'm really into the everyday miracles that we see that are just mm-hmm. beauty. Um, and so, the sky, I love a sunset. I love a sunrise. I love the moon. Okay. So I'm kind of obsessed with the sky. And so here in Mexico, I, in my condo, I'm, my background is really drab, but I promise you guys what I'm looking at outside of my window <laughs> is priceless. Okay. Exactly. So I live two blocks from the beach and I get up every morning to watch the sunrise and I can watch the sunrise over the water every morning. Um, and I watch the sunset. Um, and it's just, to me, it's just amazing. I see clouds, you know, the clouds are just, I don't know, they just look like they're 3D. They look like if I touch them, it'd be like cotton candy. And so all of that just excites my sensibilities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that to, to say that I, as an excuse, okay, because this is what a little woo-woo is coming in. As an excuse, um, at least twice a month, I check in with my intentions and my goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use the full moon and the new moon. So I use whole okay. moons to check in. Um, and so I have a specific notebook for it. Um, and it, and it's actually about my life. It's not just about business, but there's a section about business and business is always there because I love business. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I look at, you know, last full moon or last new moon, I'm just going to say whole moon, last whole moon, you know, what were the intentions? Where am I with these intentions or goals now? Right. And then I come in and, and I document some awesome things that have happened. And where do I want to go? I might even have a few bullet points on what I'm thinking is the is the is the way to go there. Um, and then I kind of close that book, you know what I'm saying? I kind of say say I write them and I say them out loud. Um, and then I just kind of just in my gratitude and in my blessings, you know, kind of give that good energy, that good juju, and I come away from it. And so now I'm working the plan, right? Um, I said I wanted to do this, I'm working the plan, and then well, you know what, in about two weeks is how it kind of ends up being, you know, it's another whole moon, whether it be new or full. And so I'm checking in again. So at least twice a month, I'm checking in on these goals, right? Now, another thing that I do on that fifth week vacation, which um, 
what I mean by fifth week is there's at least one month a quarter where there's four or more days, um, which gives us like a fifth week instead of four weeks. Right. And so I use that week. I go on vacation. I don't talk to clients. Um, and the vacation is probably not travel because I have a location independent business so I can travel the whole time. Um, and so that week, I'm really trying to be still and think and do strategy for myself because all the rest of the month, I'm doing strategy for everyone else. Mm -hmm. um, so that week, I really look at what was going on that month, um, um, that quarter, really. And what do I want to happen the next quarter? So mm -hmm. this quarter um, or this, this fifth week, right, which is the end of Q1, I am looking at Q2 and what do I want to happen? And so I'm talking about how am I scaling my business when right now I'm planning that um, because I want some of that to come to fruition in Q2. So I have to write hone in on that plan. So I kind of use this Google stuff, right, um, to, to get down into it as really all it is is a regimented calendar to check in. Um, that's why I say it's only a little Google, um, but I yeah. do use the moon phase, the whole moon phase. Well, you know, I feel like I'm always saying this, but I love this. I mean, one, I, through these conversations with the podcast, I get to talk to interesting people who have like really good process. And um, so, yeah, I, I love how it is a disciplined process, you know, where you, you found what really works for you. Yeah. And, and I think that's important to really find what works for yourself as an entrepreneur and something that you can stay committed to and it has a rhythm to it. And I think rhythm is so important. So what, though, Crystal, mm -hmm. the rhythm is not anything anybody else gave me, right? Mm -hmm. the, to me, the key to a rhythm you can be consistent with is piggybacking off something you already do mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. you already routinely appreciate, right? Mm -hmm. So when I... <laughs> Lord have mercy. When I realized I needed to get into the 5 a.m. club, I'm not a morning person, y'all. Um, but I knew that I needed more time in the day to get things done, right? Because I give my all to my clients. And because I'm doing that, I have less for myself and my own business. So I said, okay, I'm either going to have to go down, you know, below business hours, which is not healthy because you end up staying up all night, right? Because your brain is firing and firing and firing. You can't, you know, come down off of it. That doesn't work for me. So I was like, oh my God, I'm really going to have to get up early. Like, this is awful. Um, so then I started, I said, you know what? I love watching the sunrise anyway. Let me go ahead and do, so, you know, all I really need, well, at that time, the sun was rising around 6.30 in the morning. I was like, okay, all I need to do is, is just get up 30. Come on, just, just come on, about a little hour early. You know, let's, let's try this thing. So I had to kind of ease myself into it, but I piggybacked off something I'm already doing or something that already makes something stand out. So because I'm already aware of these whole moons, right? And I realized, oh, okay, you know, these things come, you know, <laughs> it's funny because I love the, the moon phases or whatever, because I like looking at the sky at night and in, during the day. So it took me a minute to realize, Crystal, okay, you get a whole moon about twice a month. Like you're not even paying attention. Like the almanac <laughs> people back in the day knew about the moon phases and you're not even paying attention enough to realize. And so once I realized that, I said, okay, I like to look at the sky anyway. I love when I happen to catch a whole moon, even if I'm not aware that it's new or full, I don't know when it's coming because I haven't paid that much attention. But because I love to look at it, I can now say, it happens at this time. I'm going to be intentional on at this time. I'm going to do something for myself or for my business. And I'm going to celebrate the moon all in one. And so I piggybacked off the same thing for those goals. I can get up earlier and do things in my business because I love to watch the sunrise. So I'm really taking something I already like and adding something that I need to do onto it. And it makes it easier to stay consistent. 
That is awesome. Thank you. Thank you for breaking that down and sharing it. I, I, I love that. Um, so you have mentioned that, um, and it's been four years, that you are location independent. And that really fits with um, your intention of having, um, a, I'm probably going to say it wrong, but a design lifestyle or a lifestyle by design. And you just say freedom. <laughs> freedom. <laughs> Excellent. And so, you know, you have been managing remote teams for quite a while. While, you know, some other individuals, it's really been because of the pandemic and the time that we find ourselves in trying to navigate that. I'm wondering if you could share with us like some tips, just practical things that have helped you over the years being able to manage a remote team as well as to work um, well within the remote teams that you support as a fractional CEO, uh, COO. No problem. So I, I am a huge proponent of knowing when something needs to be a meeting and when it needs to be an email. I'm a, because I, I hate a meeting that's for no reason, right? I, I, I don't know if anybody has ever been in college and took online classes, but when they give you that busy work, you know, the group project that you would not have in the classroom, I can't stand it. So I cannot stand extra stuff for no reason, right? Um, to me, it just, it doesn't make sense and it's not the best use of people's time. And so the one thing I look at is when does there actually need to be a meeting and when there's a not, right? So I love a weekly meeting. I hate a daily meeting. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. Now, if you're in sales or something could change daily, sure, but could it be an email, you know? Um, so I love a weekly meeting. I love for it to be the top of the week. Um, if I had to have another meeting, Let's do one at the end of the week to check in with what we were supposed to do at the beginning of the week, but uh, that could be an email too, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that, that meeting at the beginning of the week is the one I really swear by because you can now set the week, right? Okay, was there anything that happened last week that we can discuss? No, okay, awesome, that's old business, right? Okay, what's the new business? Okay, so what do we need done this week? So I love a, 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 a meeting to set the week. So I swear by those. Um, another thing that I do is, I don't like to be the helicopter parent or the micromanager, right? I, right. I can't stand that. So what I prefer are KPIs or key performance indicators, right? What, how does, what does success look like? And let's check in with it routinely, right? Mm -hmm. So I would rather do that. So I will create a report of what I need to know for, with those key performance indicators. And you can give me that. Now, half the time it's going to be weekly and you can give it to me before the meeting. So if I have any questions, I can ask you in the meeting. Right. Um, so those KPIs to me should take the place of you constantly feeling like you need to see somebody on camera or do you see the green light? Are they online? Um, I, but I'm a freedom person, right? So I don't just want to have freedom and I don't just recognize I work better and in more excellence when I'm free, my team will, right? Mm -hmm. And so I try to give them freedom, but I still want what I'm paying for, right? Right, so right. Key, uh, key performance indicators would be the second thing um, that I would suggest. Um, the next thing I'm going to suggest is a culture. You still mm -hmm. need to create a culture. Think about your favorite um, jobs. Your favorite jobs weren't even what you did. It was, you know, what did you guys do together as a team? What was the culture like? Did you feel like, you know, there was an open door policy? Did you guys have fun? I used to work in a legal field. One thing I used to love is you know, people in the legal field are very staunch and, and I would say very conservative um, right. in, in the office, right? Mm -hmm. But they 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 love a liquor and they love a beer <laughs> and they love they love some wine. And so yes. we, we would have the meetings where we would celebrate different things and we would have the alcohol where we can end the day early and then we all meet in the auditorium for this whatever excuse to drink. 
I used to love that, you know, because now people can loosen up and, you know, you're not worrying about your on your own time because on my own time, I'm not going to choose to be with y'all, you know, so they made it a part of the day. I love that. That's the part of the culture. So one thing that I do for my team members and I do for my clients team members is and when they come on board and they've been on board about a month, I introduce what I call a team member profile, right? It's about 30 questions. And in these questions, it ranges from um, who is your favorite celebrity um, to what is one thing you're a super fan of. And even things when you get towards the end, it's less fun because now I'm trying to get into, you know, how long do you think you're going to be working here? <laughs> but this profile helps me. Um, I even ask questions like, how do you best learn? How do you like to get feedback? All of these things so that I can create the culture around the team that works best for them. And guess what? Now, when we want to reward them, we actually know a little more about exactly. them. And we can reward them in a way that they will value. And so I feel like culture is the third thing. And if you get those three things right, you're going to see tremendous amounts in your team. But a bonus one, right? A bonus yes, one? Yes, give us a bonus. Be <laughs> invest in your team's professional development right? You hire people that have an expertise. Some of you guys, as we said, are hiring VAs that are task rabbits. There are, even if they are the most um, skilled person on your team, people still need professional development. So give them time on the clock or point them to resources where they can continuously be better, stay up with the trends and all of these things. So that's the def definitely the fourth one I would say is most important. Excellent. Those are really good um, pointers. And so like, I, I want to dig in just a little bit um, because I, it actually, I think, aligns to the final question that I have for you it, around kind of the intentionality that comes along with bringing members into your team. And so you were talking about culture and really being able to build a culture that supports, you know, the types of um, individuals that you want, but also understanding that your culture, like, also evolves as individuals come onto your team. And I love that team member profile that helps, um, you know, the culture be responsive to what people are bringing into the organization. But can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, as you look on, look at bringing people onto your team, what are some of the key values that you're looking for? And how does, like intentionality with integrating that knowledge into the sure hiring process support getting the people you need. Okay, so you know when I'm hiring for myself, I, I'm very self-aware. So I'm looking at people that gel well with me and my personality, and I have to do the same with my CEOs, right? Mm -hmm. I have to consider who they are and what they actually expect from the role we're hiring for, right? Because you can't just say, "Oh, project manager." Okay, what kinds of projects? How much support would that person have? All of these things, right? Mm -hmm. um, for me, I really look at what does the hiring person or the CEO, how do they see success in this role, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What do they actually need from that person? Um, it's kind of like being aligned with clients, right? You have to be aligned with your team. Um, if you are the type of person that is a micromanager, then you need to be hiring someone who is uber communicative, who does not mind that you're asking a bunch of questions or that you always want to see things, um, that type of stuff. Um, if you are the type of CEO that is hands off, they give you the vision and then you don't, you may not hear from them for, for a month, but when they come back, they expect for it to be done. Right. So mm -hmm. now we need a go getter. We need somebody that's a problem solver. We need, you know, we need that type of person. Um, for me, 
in particular, you know, I take my weaknesses and my, and my uh, sensibilities and my OCD triggers into account, right? <laughs> um, so what I know is certain things are going to get on my nerves and put me in the wrong energy, right? So if I have to tell you the same thing over and over again, um, if I know that I have taken the time to not only explain something to you and provide you with a bunch of resources and you say you got it, and then when I come check in on it, you go, oh, yeah, I had a question about that. You are not... Uh, my perfect team member at all, uh, we're going to go ahead and go with the two-week notice because I can't do this, right? Because I'm going to be looking at, oh, I gave you all these things. I asked you if you had questions. I need someone who is not afraid to ask questions. Ask me all the questions because I'm still going to want what I want at the time that I asked you to have it, right? Mm -hmm. um, so to me, you kind of be, got to be self-aware if you're doing the hiring for yourself. You have to be self-aware. You have to know what success in that role looks like. And you have to hire people who are aligned for that. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm hiring for other people, I have to dig into who I know that person, that CEO is. Not who they're saying they are, not what they're saying that they want, but what, who are they and what do they actually need, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the thing. Now, where do I go and get these people, I think was the second part. Was that the second part? Well, not necessarily, but you could talk to us about that as well. But, you know, the second part is just like, as you think about your hiring process, mm -hmm. like what do you integrate into your hiring process to know like, oh yeah, that, that, that jives with what I need or like, gotcha. uh, yeah, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> so what you. are, what are some indicators? So some of the things that I do is I ask in the interview certain things, right? Um, I have a habit of asking people what they can do, not just what their resume says. I ask them what they can do. I make a list and then I go back to my list and I ask them things about that thing. So I, uh, I will say about three months ago, hired, uh, I, well, I'm sorry, I didn't hire, I interviewed a candidate that seemed perfect from their resume. They seemed perfect from the first level interview. Um, and then they get to me and I'm like, okay, um, you know, tell me, you know, from the information that you've gotten from the first interview, how you feel like you're the perfect, um, you know, hire for this position and your skill set that's going to make you a rock star in this position. And as they were talking, I was making the list, right? Mm -hmm. I said, okay, awesome. That's great. That sounds like exactly what we need. Now we're back up to the top. And I said, um, I heard you mention, um, you didn't say project management, you mentioned Asana. I said, um, you know, so did, you know, in your other interview, did they tell you that we use Asana? Oh, yeah. I said, oh, okay. I said, so in Asana, you know, how do you use teams versus projects? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she got quiet. Yeah, cross that off. That's not your skill set, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I don't spend a lot of time. Like, I'm not going to push you to get an answer. That's a waste of time. You couldn't answer me. Mm-mm. So either you're not quick on your feet or you're not a go-getter or you don't work in a sauna, either one, let's scratch that off, right? Then she said she was good at processes, right? She said, oh yeah, I do SO, I mean, I'm sorry, standard operating procedures. And I'm like, lady, I'm, I'm a COO. I, I, I know standard operating, I know what a SOP is, you know? And so she's <laughs> telling me these things or whatever. And I said, oh, okay, that's great. I said, can you tell me, Um, you, you mentioned to me that you did a process, can you give me an example of a process that you created? Right. She said, what do you mean? Oh, okay. Hmm. I said, okay, so give me an example of a process that you created and that you put into execution to 
be efficient, to save money, just, you know, give me an example of, of a process. And she starts to tell me about um, something about compliance. But then when I get down to it, really what she's saying she does is accept resumes and, um, and she checks the resume. And I was like, yeah, that's not really, yeah, let's, let's go through that. So right, to me, right. you just got to ask more questions, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because you shouldn't be hiring somebody for expertise that you have no knowledge of. I mean, you can go out there and get some knowledge, just enough to be dangerous or enough to ask the right question to see, right? So I say dig deep. Don't just ask these questions about, you know, what are your five-year goals? Because that may or may not help you because people are going to tell you you're in the five-year goal and you're definitely not in the five-year goal. <laughs> so that doesn't help you as much as saying, hey, when you use active campaign, are you just doing campaigns? Or are you doing actual automations? Are you doing retargeting? Are you doing, you know, so know some jargon so that they can then come back to you and say, oh yes, I use it for this, this, and that. And actually it's not best for this. That is, the, you know, this is what you want. Those are the type of answers that you want. You want them to give you back more information about it than you gave them because that's going to signify their expertise. So that's one thing. The next thing is, don't be afraid to test people. You mm -hmm, can, mm -hmm. as a layer between you receiving a resume and you interviewing them, a layer in between can be send them a test to do something, right? I was hiring someone for content. I gave them um, a subject matter. I told them I needed a 20, 250 to 500 word blog post and I needed it in two days, mm -hmm. right? Um, and they came back in one day with it and I'm reading it and I'm like, yes, right? You run it through the plagiarism. Let me make sure you didn't just take somebody's whole article. Um, right. And yeah. I was like, okay, great. This is exactly what I need. I needed to be able to give her this very little um, information. And she take that information and turn around something. Um, because what I find is my CEOs, you can't give them this. You can't give them a blank slate, right? You can't just mm -hmm. say, oh, I need, um, you know, Crystal, you wanted me to do a blog post. Can you tell me what you want me to do it on? Uh, yeah, if I had time to think through all of that as Crystal, then Crystal <laughs> could just write it or right, you know, right, she would have right. gave you all that information to begin with. So you need somebody that will say, okay, let me go out. I know that Crystal does podcasting. Let me go out and see what the hot topics are on podcasting and come up with something, take it to Crystal and, and Crystal can tell me from there, is this what she wants? Um, so those are the types of things that I'm, I do to kind of get to the people that I need. So definitely deep diving into questions, um, doing tests, at, even asking about, you know, what they're doing outside, what are their interests. Um, when we're hiring independent contractors, how many clients do you ha currently have on your roster? Because that's going to tell you how much time they can dedicate um, to, to working with you. You know, so all those kind of questions kind of help you narrow down, is this person going to possibly be who I need? Mm -hmm. What I, um, every, all of that was good. And what I appreciated hearing from you is one, which is embedded in this is, um, you know, one, having a cursory understanding of what you're hiring for, you know, it doesn't mean that you need to know all the stuff, but in order to see if the person is qualified or not, you do need to have a basic level of understanding. And even when they're in the role, you know, understanding like, you know, if their work is, is indicative of like a, the skill set and the expertise that you're looking for. Yeah. They're providing stuff that is garbage, you know, and being able to spot that. So you do need some level of basic understanding of the um, area of expertise that you're hiring for. Also, I think embedded in what you said is really, you know, being um, intentional 
as well as um, taking your time in the process. I loved how you talked us through, you know, like there's a first level or there's a first run through of everything. And then I'm going back to confirm one, what I heard, but then to go a level or two deeper into really understanding if you do have the knowledge, the skills, the abilities, the background experience in order to do this and to do it well. And then, um, you know, with the idea of the test or the work sample is great because you're getting a really clear indication of what the person is able to do. Also, you're seeing their responsiveness. Um, you're, You're able to just get a closer inspection, so to speak, of what the person might be able to do when they come um, into your organization. So thank you so much for sharing a bit of that. I mean, there there is a reason why you are, um, you know, a fractional COO for some of our favorite six-figure brands, as you, yeah. as we mentioned in your um, intro, because of just I, I love the process mm-hmm. and the um, the deliberateness that you take around what you do. So that is. Excellent. So before we wrap up, I want to know, like, what are some like interesting things like that you're doing in your business? What can we look forward to from you and your business in the coming weeks, months, even years? So what I'm doing right now, actually, in this fifth week vacation introspection (laughs) for Q2, right? Um, What I'm doing right now is really looking at what I want my content to look like, especially for Clubhouse. I had a five day schedule on Clubhouse, but I'm looking at being more intentional Um, with fewer days to kind of laser in on some stuff because some of the days were just introductory stuff for people new on clubhouse so i want to get um intentional a little more intentional so i'm looking at that 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 um content another thing that i'm looking at um is passive income products um how can i help the people who um, you know, couldn't afford me even if I had an opening, right? Uh, because I help entrepreneurs and I help small businesses and they're at the level where, you know, some of this stuff they really can do themselves. And if they can start from the beginning with a better structure, it's going gonna, it's gonna to play out better for them. If I can start helping them to formulate these scale mindsets now before they're even ready to scale, you know, that's going to be very helpful. So I'm really looking at um, what does that passive income need to be? How do I need to roll it out chronologically? um, And how is it going to be easily digestible at multiple levels, right? So I am looking at that. But the the thing that I'm most excited about that I'm working on that's not going to be in the coming months, because I'm going to really be very intentional and take my time um, to do this thing is um, the fact that I could do, um, I could uncap right? My fractional COO services by hiring other fractional COOs to service my clients, right? I could hire a top down. I could hire more skilled people. Therefore, I can have more clients. I simply don't want to. I don't want to do it that way. I I feel like that would stress me out. I'm self-aware enough to know that that's definitely going to not make me be in my happy place most of the time. Uh But I do want to pour into the next generation because more and more people are finding out um, about this this title I've come up with right now. They want to be this title and they want to help on these levels um, instead of saying I'm a VA that do all of these things and I can think as a VA uh, or I'm a project manager, but I don't have a project manager certification type of thing. So I'm coming out with a certification for fractional chief operating officer um, roles um, because it's more than just the structure. Um, I'm I'm really pushing my underlying goal of business based on life design, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really 
pushing being aligned in your own business and not a prisoner of your own business. And so those extra things I'm going to throw in there along with that structure um, that they could apply. Um, because really what we do as fractional, well, as chief operating officers is you're supposed to be that business bestie sounding board and keeping on track for the CEO. And because the CEO is so different, if you're fractional, you know, your clients are going to be so different, you're going to have to learn how to adapt to different um, attitudes, different personalities, different needs, um, different life designs, different priorities, different whys. And so that's what I want to put in there that I know is not out there. And so that is going to be, I think that's going to be a part of my legacy um, if I can, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I'm excited about that. I really am. Well, that is something to be excited about. Like as a um, operations minded person, like that just seems incredible. I know that that's a resource that would be so valuable, like getting these individuals certified and trained to support entrepreneurs, to support CEOs, um, you know, in the execution of their roles in their business. So that I, I cannot wait <laughs> to see what you're doing and to hear more about it. And also um, for anyone who's listening, who is like, yes, I need a COO. And, you know, you, you did say like, you, you don't necessarily have any openings, but you're opening up that passive income that can really help service um, individuals in that. So we're going to have your information in the show notes. So if you need a fractional COO or need support in that area, then Shay has you covered. So um, I want to thank you for joining today. Um, it's been a great conversation. And I just want to open up if you have any final thoughts that you want to share with um, those who might be tuning in. I think my final thought is as a business owner, don't forget why you went into business, right? Um, like I said, a lot of us um, went into business for freedom from corporate America, or we were never employable in the first place, right? Um, because we had such a freedom mindset. So don't forget what your freedom is and you define it. It could be you want to spend more time with your kids or you want to be able to show up at the school in the middle of the day. It could be you want to stand in the gap for a sick loved one without having to worry about sick days or are they going to let you off or is the work going to pile up? Um, or, you know, you want to actually travel and take vacation days because what we know is about corporate America is, yeah, you have them and you're supposed to be able to take them, but it's really frowned upon for you to um, actually leave and take these days. And so, you know, whatever your freedom is, whatever you want it to be, don't forget that when you're defining your business. Um, and so I love, I just want, don't want people to not live the life that they uh, are meant to live or that they want to live. Mm -hmm. Well, that is great um, words of advice to share with us. So I appreciate it. And thank you so much for joining today. Um, it's been a wonderful conversation and I can't wait to see all of the things <laughs> that you will continue to do and all the ways that you'll continue to kill it um, in the business industry. So thank you so much. And thank you to those of you who tuned in today and we'll be back with another um, episode soon. So take care. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Unicorn Talent Hunter. Remember that you can join our email list at unicorntalenthunter.com for more tips and tricks on how to find, keep, and grow your team. Also, subscribe in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episode. I'm Crystal Speed. Happy hunting.